You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I want to invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. I am so happy to have a guest that you are going to want to hang off of his every word. I have Dr. Chris Winter here, and he is a board-certified neurologist and double board-certified sleep medicine specialist from Charlottesville. He exclusively treats kids and adults with sleep sleep disorders and has been in the field of sleep science and sleep medicine since 1992. Additionally, he consults and has consulted with approximately 30 professional sports organizations, including the 2020 World Series champions, the LA Dodgers. And he is the author of the book, Sleep Solution, Why Your Sleep is Broken and How to Fix It, as well as a new book that we're going to talk about today called The Rested Child, Why Your Child, Wired or Irritable Child May Have a Sleep Disorder and How to Help. Welcome. Welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure and an honor, Rob. I really, really appreciate the invitation. That's great. All right. Well, I think we should dive right in because we're talking about a sleep disorder. And so what does that actually mean? Can we define what a sleep disorder is? Sure. I, I would say that it's, it's when your sleep or your child's sleep you know, is it sort of manifesting something that would indicate that there's a problem. And, and we were talking before the show about how that can look um, to a parent. And, you know, one way it can be is there's something intrinsically wrong with the sleep. My child snores. I just got a, a message from a child today who sort of rocks really violently before she goes to bed at night. And the parent was wondering, you know, she doesn't seem to mind. It doesn't seem to affect anything, but it's really bizarre to watch it you know, what does that mean? So it can be something that you're sort of observing in your child that doesn't seem to meet with maybe what you think of as being a normal sleep pattern. Um, It can be related to an individual who even prior to sleep, there's resistance to sleep, you know, a child who doesn't want to go to bed or is stalls or gets into bed with you and you don't want them in bed with you in the middle of the night. And then, you know, it can also be something that a parent might discover in their child who they might say is a wonderful sleeper, you know, oh, this never fights, goes right into the bedroom, out cold, we never hear anything, and they wake up and they seem pretty good. They're not complaining, we're not complaining. Um, And part of the book was really geared towards helping parents understand that sometimes, particularly in children, but also in adults, that a sleep problem can manifest itself in a way that nobody would ever describe there being a problem. And I think those are the ones we have to be very careful about because, you know, when your child is struggling with attention at school or school mm. performance, or, you know, we were talking about growth, you know, all of a sudden my, my child seems their growth is kind of falling off the curve. Those aren't things that a doctor might immediately say, ah, 
sleep problem. Let's get on mm. that. Um, and I think that sometimes if you equip a parent with a little bit more information about how sleep works, what what's normal, what's not, and how these things can manifest in kids, the parents can be the ones who really advocate for figuring these things out. And one of the things that drew me to your podcast was your title, Parenting the Future. Mm -hmm. And I see adults and kids in my sleep clinic. And one of the things that becomes very apparent when you deal with both is how many adult sleep problems began when they were kids. Mm -hmm. It was just never either identified or felt important enough to deal with. And so that little problem kind of festers over decades. And, and it's always disappointing to me and probably to the patient as well, when you kind of address it, there's always this feeling of, God, what if we had done this when I was younger, just fix this when I was a, a young person before I went through college and the experience of all these different things through that lens of sleep disturbance. So I always feel like parenting the future just kind of really lends itself to sleep, like really yeah. giving your child the gift of great sleep and a great foundation for thinking about sleep when they're young so that they become that, you know, my kids, one of my kids, all my kids swam, one of them swam pretty competitively. I sort of took up swimming much older and I'm okay at it. You know, in terms of, I could always jump out of a mm -hmm. boat and swim back to the ladder kind of thing. But in terms of swimming laps and technique came to it much later and feel like I'll never be as good as a child who learns or like yeah. a language is probably the same thing. Learning Spanish mm. when you're two versus when you're 50. And I think sleep's kind of like that. If we can really make our kids set the, set the tone for their sleep early, it's just a gift that continues to manifest itself throughout their life. Oh, wow. Okay. So then that begs the question, uh, you know, okay. One is how does sleep work? Sure. So, I mean, sleep works hopefully fairly simply, although I mean, it's an incredibly complicated cascade of neurotransmitters in your brain that are you know, surging at different times and backing off at different times. And so, I mean, the way sleep should work is that, you know, from soup to nuts, your child likes sleep, mm -hmm. is not only excited about sleep, but also kind of excited about the process being in their bedroom by themselves, having time to be quiet and rest. You know, I titled the book, The Rested Child instead of The Slept Child, just because I think it's important for us to always focus on the rest and restore development versus unconsciousness. And so I think sometimes as parents, we tend to overstress, you're awake, this is bad, you need to be not awake. Um, right. Versus kind of, no, it's okay to be in your bed awake, you know, meditative, quiet, peaceful, you know, separated from technology and school and your sister that you fight with all the time. And, you know, so I think that it starts there in terms of having a healthy relationship and respect for it that, you know, you can be excited about all the things that go on during your day. But I also need you to have a little bit of respect for the sleep at night. It's not always going to be perfect, but I do need you to set aside that time. You know, I also need you to set aside some time to eat and drink some fluid from time to time and exercise yeah. and cultivate a mindfulness and a healthy you know, relationship with yourself. Um, and then, you know, in terms of the bed, you know, we think about sleep hygiene a lot. What does that look like? Is the bedroom 
you know, relatively uncluttered? Um, mm. What is your family's relationship with technology? What does your family's schedule look like? You know, one of the things I often see in baseball players is their schedule for their family is very late. You know, the little mm. one-year-old and the three-year-old are up at 11 o'clock when dad gets home from the game so they can have some time in the evening. Yeah, And then they kind of skew everything later. I that's okay. I'm not here to judge. You know, what is your family's relationship to co-sleeping going to be? Like, is mm-hmm. that something important to you? Or would you like to have that be more of a separate situation? You know, to me, outside of safety, these are all personal choices. And so, mm-hmm. you know, every step along the way until they wake up the next morning and hopefully seem refreshed, they don't indicate a drive to get more sleep as if, you know, and that's one of the things you see from families, they sleep a lot, but then they still want to keep sleeping. Mm -hmm. Why is there something wrong with the sleep there? So, you know, that healthy sleep should fulfill that bucket of no, once my child or once my husband wakes up, they don't seem to want to get more sleep because it's like if you ate a big dinner and then the next thing, you know, 15 minutes later, mom, I'm starving. What can I eat? you might ask some questions. Well, that's weird. You just ate two hamburgers and you want more food. Like why? Yeah. Um, so, you know, and so, you know, and then proper growth, good immune system, you know, strength, um, mental clarity. I mean, all these things should be the natural outcomes of a, of a good night's sleep. Mm. So if, if, if you're saying that as adults, there are things that we could have, should have learned when we were children, what is it that we, should have learned and therefore should be teaching. I hate the word yeah. should, but I'm saying it. It's for a great lack of question. A say it. Yeah, it's a great question. And you know, so much of what we what we pick up with sleep kind of has to do with lore and what our parents believed. And you know, one of the first things is that, that I try to tell people is that everybody has a different sleep need. And when you look at infants and toddlers, if you've got an infant and your best friend had a baby about the time that you did the differences in the amount of sleep your children could need could be as much as eight hours. Really? I think absolutely. Yeah. Which is shocking to a lot of people. I'm glad you said that instead of like, (laughs) of course we all know that Chris, you know, so really, (laughs) and so, and so you can imagine if you have the child that needs eight hours more. So your kid needs, you know, 19 hours of sleep. Your friend's child needs 11. And you can look this up if you, it's in my book, but if you also look up National Sleep Foundation Sleep Need by Age, there's this fascinating graph of, you know, newborns, infants, toddlers, uh, preschool, school age, teenagers, late teens, early young adults, senior citizens, and you can see the range, the bell curve of sleep need for each age range, and it's vast. And one of the problems we have when you think about Western medicine is we think about averages. Okay, well, the average person has their gallbladder underneath their liver, and and that's what you kind of teach, and that's what you think. But there's plenty, everybody's a unique individual. And so your kid is too, in terms of their sleep needs. So if your child needs six hours less sleep than your buddy, then your schedules are going to be very different. And if you're Mm -hmm. trying to shove your square peg child into the round hole of your friend, you're setting yourself up for a lot of problems, not because there's anything wrong with your child. It's because what they're doing for their unique, wonderful child is maybe a little bit different from what you need to be doing with your different, wonderful, unique child. And, and for individuals or parents who parent kids who are on the shorter end of sleep spectrum, it can be a problem for them. You know, they're the bad sleepers. 
because they struggle to fall asleep. They don't take the three, two hour naps every day like your friend's kid does, right? Not because there's anything wrong. It's because your expectation of that child's sleep versus their reality is is not in sync. And so just something understanding that is very important. Yeah, sorry to interrupt you from a parenting perspective, you know, what happens as a mom, I know what what I have done and would do is, well, say like, well, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my kid. I got to force my, I have to force my kid to sleep more because I don't know what I don't know. And I'm so sleep deprived myself and I'm already feeling like I'm failing this little baby. And so now I've got sleep. And what's so great about sleep is I remember one time I, I introduced myself in some situation and at the end of it, my wife said, you might've want to say you're a doctor. I said, I didn't say I was a doctor. And she said, you didn't. She said, because I bet a lot of people that you were talking to think you, you know, work with energy crystals. Not that there's anything wrong with energy crystals, but this idea that there is an expertise with sleep. I've been in the field for like three decades now. Yeah. Um, But what's great about sleep is, and what's difficult is we all have knowledge of sleep. Like we can all talk about sleep when our grandparents told us. And I heard somewhere that any sleep you get after midnight's no good, but I don't assume any knowledge of my shoulder anatomy when I hurt it. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm gonna put some ice on it. If that doesn't work, I gotta talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, it's not like, well, I've heard one time that if you rub some salt on the back and pepper on the front, it'll make your like, I don't have that kind of working now because nobody's talking about shoulders growing up, but we all talk about sleep and share ideas and get bits and pieces. So it's very easy for a parent to feel like I'm failing when in fact, no, you're not because it's like failing a spelling test that you never knew you had to study for. I tell my kids all the time, you're not born with a knowledge of what state capitals are. So you're not failing. You're just not putting the work into learning it. Like you're not a failure. Yeah. You just need to learn what the capital of Vermont is because you're not it. born with that knowledge. And, and for some reason, I think that parents often feel like they are born with a Well, I've been sleeping for 40 years. I should know how to teach my child when now there's probably a lot about sleep that you don't know, but that's, what's fun about it. I think. Right. Right. Yeah. That's so, that's so interesting. I mean, sleep is such a huge issue. There's no doubt. And it changes throughout your life. Right. I mean, I think yes. Yeah. And that's what's tough about parents too. Just when you solve the toddler sleep problem, the, you know, the, the older kid sleep problem starts to rear its head. And that's, it was interesting when I, when I pitched this book to my publisher, their response was kind of like, Oh, I don't think we need any more sleep books on kids. And I was like, Oh, really? What, what books are you referring to? They're like, there's like a million. I said, are you referring to books about how to get your infant to sleep through the night and and nap regularly? I said, because I'm talking about a book that looks at the life of a child from the time they're born till the time they head off to college or those years Mm -hmm. and all the different obstacles that they're going to have in terms of their sleep, which I'm not aware of that book. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And so unfortunately it does sort of, there's a message out there accidentally that once your kid starts sleeping through the night, you're good. there's not going to be any other problems you're going to deal with until you have to decide whether you're going to allow them to rush a fraternity or something. I don't know what what the, the, but there's a weird message out there that all sleep problems end once your kids stop wearing clothes that snap in the crotch, (laughs) you're good. You're good now. Like you're, you've done it. You you did it. And, and, you know, I would, as a parent of older kids, 
I would gladly trade those sleep problems for the ones that, that pop up later on. Yeah. It's a lot easier for me to, to deal with those things than, you know, I, I had a yeah. kid who made a phone out of wood because we had a rule phones don't go in your bedroom. So he just made a pretend phone and pretended to plug that in every night. So he could have his phone and his, you know, like that's exhausting to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Don't need, I don't need that in my life. Right. No kidding. Okay. So, so that's a really, that's all so good. Now you just said, okay, so I'd rather trade those sleep problems from the early years for ones that crop up. And so what is cropping up in later years? Yep. I think the ones that crop up in the later years are number one, just harder to determine, meaning that most likely your child is sort of, you know, separated from you. And it's kind of like, I'm going to bed, you know, and they go to bed and then something happens up there and then they emerge the next morning in an irritable mood. That seems to be right. the, the pattern that I see. So we don't have as much insight as to what's going on, you know, and parents love insight. What'd you do at school today? Nothing, you know, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. that's not true. Like, um, so to me, we lose that lens that we have once kids get a little bit older and then number two, you know, kids are like new cars. They function really well when they're driven poorly. Do you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. if, you know, we're, when you're looking at the things that your father manifested as he developed sleep apnea, well, we knew something was wrong with dad because every time he went to church, he'd fall asleep in the, in, you know, and it was so embarrassing. Like even the minister said something at the end, like, are you getting enough sleep? Ha ha ha. You know, kind of thing. Like you start to you kind of this idea of what it would look like and kids can just kind of bull their way through really yeah. bad and, and insufficient sleep. Right. And it doesn't tend to look like sleepiness as much as it looks like, you know, just irritability, um, bad concentration. A lot of kids with sleep problems get diagnosed with ADHD accidentally oh. uh, because they meet a lot of those criteria, a lot of mood disturbance. And when you start to factor in pandemic mm -hmm responses you know my kid was in his bedroom for six months because school was virtual or it still yeah. is in some places or we had that option and he chose to stay in his bedroom it becomes even more disturbing so i think that that along with the school pressures you know to me i wasn't ready as a parent even though my wife's a teacher and both my parents were teachers i wasn't ready for that pressure i feel my kids pressure when it comes to school and really try mm -hmm. to soften it but it's just kind of an overwhelming situation for a lot of kids and 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 yeah. we talk about homeschooling all the time like every year we're like we're homeschooling and we're like, oh, we'll there for some reason or not but um you get it you get the the idea of i want to let my kids sleep until nine o'clock i want to have a little bit of a different pace for the day or or give them a break maybe they wouldn't typically have um, and I think that technology is just an impossible situation for a lot of kids and parents. I think that's, it's, you know, that choice of technology is becoming less and less something, you know, in 10 years ago, the parent would say, well, we just don't have video games. Okay. Well, sure. I think that's a great idea. I think I so support that. I don't know how you make the determination now to pull technology out of your kids' lives because it's so integrated. Like if I said, okay, kids, every room, your laptop and your phone, we're going to take 48 hours away from them. They're going to freak out because like, well, how do I, how am I going to do my homework? How do I communicate with my club? I'm in charge of the club and the bake sale is Saturday. Yeah. And like, well, can you call them on the phone? What's a phone? Like, you know, like they have no yeah, idea yeah. what the phones were that we used to, you know, they don't, I don't know anyone's number. 
Yeah, the phone number. They have no idea. Like everybody. So even when they're beside each other, they're communicating. Like you could just set yeah. the phone down and ask him to pass the salt if you wanted to, instead of yeah. pass emoji salt, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> so yeah. I I think that these questions are just becoming harder and harder to deal with. I find you know, when experts write about specifically technology and children and what it does to their brain. I mean, I'm a neurologist. I think that these little phones are like drugs to kids mm. um, and they're tapping into those same sort of neurotransmitters of addiction. And unfortunately, those neurotransmitters are intimately tied to sleep. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're addicted to things that make us not want to sleep. I mean, if you've ever seen really drug addicted individuals, a little easily sacrifice sleep to do more of that thing that they're addicted to until they finally mm -hmm. just kind of collapse. And, you know, I, I hesitate to draw connections between electronics and drugs, but there are some parallels there for sure. Yeah. And, and we're up against, you know, apps and games that really do addict us plus blue light plus, 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 right. I mean, there's just so right. many different things. They're, they're, designed, they're designed to be addictive. I'm, I'm sitting yeah. look at this game. Like this is not a fun game that you're playing, Yeah. but the fun or the challenge or the, you know, reason yourself through this puzzle is not the goal. The goal is I want you to keep playing it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's or a little carrot you, know, you could get, you know, yeah, no, I gave a lecture to a bunch of military families and a lot of kids were in the, um, crowd and I said you know I mentioned something about snapchat streaks and there was this kind of murmur and laughter yeah. and looking at children that went through the crowd that I get it you know yeah don't I let, that streak, dry, don't uh, let die. that streak no no I, I mean we've had kids who've gotten sick and they're like dad can you please give my phone to this person because I need to keep my like that's what you're worried about as you know blood's coming out of your whatever and you're coughing up a lung like dad before I go, I want you to have my such and such, and please keep my streaks alive for me. Do this for me, dad. You know, it's, it's really that kind of level of, this is what you're concerned about right now. Yeah. Or, you know, when we go camping, will I be able to have access to some sort of internet situation so I can keep, or is, you know, like. Yeah. Well, the problem is too, as parents, like we love our technology too, because it's new for us. We're all that's right. at the same time. Yeah. So we haven't learned how to really regulate ourselves. That's I right. have my phone all the way up until I go to bed. I'm not going to deny it. <laughs> right here. No, I mean, no, and, and I think modeling is very important, you know, trying to, we're going to keep our phones in the kitchen too. We're not taking them into our bedrooms as well. And, and, you know, parents have different relationships. You might be on an on-call nurse and have to be near your phone. And so yeah. I do think that, that we have to be careful. I mean, I, I was, my wife and I went to see some Van Gogh exhibit recently and, and I had my phone off and then I was so frustrated because this opportunity came along and it passed because I wasn't, you know, tuned into it. So, you know, I was like, I need to rewire the way I think about that. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had a yeah. great time at this exhibit. That's what was most important. And if it means you miss out on a few things you do, and that fear of missing out is definitely something that kids can learn 100%. from parents for sure. Yeah, 100%. So I want to ask you, because you have worked with these professional sports teams, and you brought it up just a moment ago, the pressure. Just American, no Canadians. Oh, yeah, right. That's that's what we hear. Well, we need just, help here. I don't, know, I don't know anything about Canadian sleep. So I just, just, <laughs> just American sleep problems is what I specialize in. Don't you know certified we sleep in Canadian sleep problems. What's that? We all, we all sleep in igloos up here. That's, that's what it is. 
cold temperature is good for sleep. So that's probably, oh. I like, I like sleeping when I'm in Canada. I sleep very well. Oh, good. good. Um, so what about like, how do you teach these professionals, right? Again, you were saying that these are things that should have been learned when they were children and the missed opportunity is rearing its ugly head now, but, th- but that's real. Like, I, I can't even tell you, you know, when I used to plan events and, and do, you know, different marketing um, initiatives and things like that, the night before was, you know, ah, oh, I, cu- I couldn't sleep. I'm excited, but I'm also nervous and worried that what, you know, I, I didn't do my alarm and checking my alarm seven times, you know, all that stuff. Right. And then the, 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 the constant barrage of thoughts and images, how can we stop that? So we can sleep so we can perform. Yeah, no, it's a process. So it's so funny you mentioned alarms. That's a big thing with teams. The I'm scared I'm going to oversleep and miss the bus. And then they get fined and they get in trouble and and whatnot. So I think we all feel that you have to catch that 530 flight and you're in the hotel room thinking, I'm sort of nervous to fall asleep because if I sleep through my alarm, I'm going to miss the flight and be stuck or whatever. So you know, all of these things sort of relate to some sort of, you know, performance anxiety a lot of times. And so mm. we can deal with these athletes who have a tremendous, you know, when you're little, you always tell your kid, okay, go out there and play hockey. And if you don't do well, it's okay. Like, it's going to be fine. Like it's, you know, it's more about your love of the game and you're still going to feed you dinner tonight, even if you're just terrible at hockey, but at <laughs> some level, you can't say that. Like if you're terrible you may get let go by the team and lose this wonderful life you've created for yourself. And, and the world watching. But with the world watching and commenting live, you're terrible. Yeah. Why did we invest any money and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So it, it's, it is a different situation. It's the peak of sort of performance and expectation and anxiety. But, you know, I think that, you know, like we always, you know, it's kind of sleep's a skill. It's like hitting a curveball. I mean, if you put me in a batting cage and had a, pitcher throwing curveballs at me I bet I wouldn't even come close but with the right instruction and practice you can develop that in a sense of confidence and that's what we're really trying to give our kids is that or what I'm trying to give an athlete it's kind of the same thing I mean athletes are just kids with a lot more money and they're bigger they're kind of the same mindset sometimes so to me it's all about giving them a sense of confidence like you can ride that bike you can do well on this test. You can be a great person if you really put your mind to it. And you can be a good sleeper too. And I think of all the things I just mentioned, the sleep might be the easiest thing, mm-hmm. you know, but the, the problem comes with the athlete is that uh, John is having trouble sleeping right now and the playoffs start in three days, help him. That's tough. That's kind of like my child's not a good person. Make him a good person real quick before you know, <laughs> Sunday. You know, right? or my kid does not know anything about math and the final exam is this week you know this week and he's not done anything to prepare for please help him like so to me it, it starts early and it just starts with the sort of dialogue one of the things that parents ask, you know what's the best thing that we can do i'm always i always tell people put more focus on the wake time than the bedtime you know, the bedtime can be a stressful, anxiety-ridden situation in a lot of families. And that's oh, maybe yeah. where you want to kind of take the foot off the gas a little bit and, hey, you're having trouble sleeping. It's okay. Here's a good book or you should read this book, you know, um, and have a plan. Like, what's your plan for if your kid says he can't sleep tonight? And then the flip side is you wake him or her up nicely, but at the same time every day. And the conversation might be, Oh, I had a bad night of sleep, mom. I need to sleep a little bit longer. And you might say, well, you had a difficult night, but that's 
kind of the norm. People have bad nights every now and then. So let's frame it in terms of that's actually more normal than you never having ever have a bad night. Like that'd be weird to me. Hey, I'm Chris, I'm 48 and I've never had a bad night's sleep in my life. Never struggled, never took me any longer than five or 10 minutes to fall asleep any day I've ever lived on this planet. That would be really strange. So that inability to sleep or arriving at lunch at the cafeteria in your school and not feeling that hungry for it. What do you do? You know, what's the plan there when you don't want to eat the sandwich? I would say, don't eat it, wrap it up. Let's save it. Let's not waste it. Um, but it's okay. Like you know, your body sometimes doesn't have a great appetite. We're going to frame that as being normal and not something that we necessarily have to address in, in a serious way. And so to me, you're really trying to frame these things um, while at the same time looking out for real pathology is really important. We don't want to explain away everything. One of my major league baseball players has narcolepsy and I talked to his mom and she said, you know, he fell asleep during baseball games all the time. He would just go into the dugout and put his glove down like a pillow and take a nap. And I said, what do you think about that? She goes, I don't know. I just kind of always rationalized it as him just working so hard that he was just sleepier than everybody else. So <laughs> You know, kind of there's a balance oh, there for sure. That's a big, that's a big red flag. That's a so big what red I flag. what I what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if this is right or not. Part of what you're saying is let's take the pressure off the sleep. Let's just like tell adults, like, look, yeah. you, you got this, your body, and you haven't said this, but like your body is wired for this. Your body needs it. And so possible not to get it. So the phrase oh. can't sleep is probably one of the most harmful phrases in, in the English language hmm. um, because it's not true. You know, oh, grandma, she, she's, she just called again. She can't sleep. And a kid hears that or the parents saying, oh gosh, I just can't sleep. I don't know what I'm going to do about my sleep. Like, so the kid's growing up. Wow. I hope I'm not one of those people who can't sleep. So just, <laughs> you know, like you said, your, your body, it's like breathing and drinking and yeah. eating and sleeping. These are primary drives that are not really negotiable right so let's always start with a place of relative confidence of it doesn't mean your sleep's always going to be normal or healthy right but you're going to sleep mm -hmm. and so just giving i mean it's amazing sometimes when i say that to a patient i've had patients to say already i feel better i feel like i feel like you've mm -hmm. solved my problem already we've been talking for seven minutes just because yeah. you know when you're going into that situation of it's like telling a kid, listen, throw the, throw the basketball in the air. I promise you it'll go through the hoop. Like it will, it will absolutely. So if you told kids that, even though it's not true, I bet they'd make 50% more free throws just because yeah. Yeah. now there's not that feel. I just, just throw it towards the dry coach said it'll go in, you know, like versus I need you to make this because if you don't, we're going to lose and everybody's going to be so disappointed in you. And I'm not sure you're going to have a future in basketball, but good luck. Go make those free throws. Like forget about it. So yeah, and that's the, that's the, the dichotomy of what we've got going on where we've got so much great information about sleep and how important it is to our health. And so the parent's job is I yeah. need to give you information about sleep and make you value it. Mm -hmm. But I don't want to give you so much that now you're fearing, what if I don't, could I get dementia by the time I'm in seventh grade? Because you said <laughs> grandma got dementia because she didn't sleep well. And there was Our research grandma. about sleep and dementia that you read in that book. That That's not what we want at all. No, that's, no. That's, and, tricky. And, that's a tricky balance for a family. Like, let's think yeah. about food, nutrition, but not be obsessed by it. You can have a cupcake every now and then. That's okay. Like, of course, like, 
So, and, and, and I'm sure parents have to balance that act with all kinds of things in their kid's life, you know? So that's right. why I wanted to kind of give a little information out there on how you can maybe make it a little bit less, we're scared of it, or we don't care about it somewhere in the middle might be a little bit better. Yeah. And it, it, and it all comes from you, right? Like your it energy does. around it, it. If you're, if you're freaked out and you're rushing your kids and yes. you're getting mad at them for not sleeping and all this stuff. So, uh, and, and, and look, I, I say it too, you know, like bedtime is a time of connection. Our kids need a little bit of extra time. And I know you're exhausted and you're tired. I know you are as a parent. I know you want to go and do your own thing. Sometimes that means more work. Sometimes that means, you know, watching a show, whatever you need to do. I know you want to do that so bad. And to help your child, you know, soothe them into sleep, it may take a few more minutes and it could just be minutes, right? But we fight it and it makes it worse, right? So lean into that. Absolutely. I mean, and when I think about my own worst parenting moments, you know, my first child was born when I was in medical school, my second when I was in residency, my third in fellowship. And I remember with the birth of my second child, just needing him to sleep because I needed a little bit of time to get my life straightened out because exactly. so much of it was skewed towards being in a hospital. I was not connecting well with my wife. I had a, a daughter already that I just never saw. And I remember walking out of the bedroom and I could hear him start to like, like he was not going to settle. He was going to start crying in the next two or three minutes. Yeah. And I walked out like my wife said, oh, he's such an idiot. And this is like an infant. Yeah. Uh, I get it. Yeah. My wife looked at me and I looked at her and we just both started laughing. And I I thought, (laughs) I am in a terrible place right now. Mm-hmm. Now, if, you know, but, but there can be an easy, if, you, if you're, if you're a parent who said, look, I want to put this kid down. He's not going to sleep. So I'm going to, I've got a book I'm reading. I'm going to sit outside of his room and read that. Like I've got no expectations of child sleeping. This oh. is what's going to happen. Yeah. Like you said, what, what you need and what your needs are, are important and they influence so much. Cause what I read, what I needed at that point was that kid to go to sleep. Cause I didn't have the capacity to deal with it. I, I, I was being selfish and needed something from him that it just wasn't appropriate for him to give dad as an infant. I can see you're struggling. So I'm going to go ahead and sleep this time. Cause I, I see you need it. Yeah. But I can't promise you about the upcoming nights or my upcoming <laughs> naps or bottle feedings or whatever you've got going. And so I do think that a lot of time with, with sleep issues in kids. And one of my mentors said, most sleep parent, most sleep problems in kids are parent sleep problems. What he meant by that was, their expectation is not where it needs to be for things to be healthy and effective. And God knows I've been there myself. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until I, you know, became pregnant and had kids that sleep was ever really an issue for me. I mean, it, it throws you through, you know, I, I had, I had two C-sections, so, you know, I was on meds and, um, you know, and that messes with you, the hormones, you know, all of that stuff. So you, you like, it's not your fault when you can't sleep at no. the beginning, at least I, I think, right. I mean, here I am talking <laughs> to a sleep doctor, but you know, like we get messed up from the start. So yeah, it, it just, it feels unfair is what it feels like. It doesn't feel fair that that's how yeah, we especially when you've got a friend and the kids like, Oh yeah, he oh. just slept through the night seventh on the seventh day. And now he's, people were his own, lying. he's his own formulas. He's making his own formula now. <laughs> Like, I thought wow, people were lying. Doing that. Oh, people yeah. lie all the time. Oh, God. 
I was so mad. Fly like crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. I, oh, it just made me And 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 I'll say to all my friends out there who don't lie, I really value you. I love somebody who comes in and says, and I'm not a big liar. You know, I just told all of your audience, I called my infant son an idiot. And, it, you know, not to his face, um, no, can no, understand language at that point, but I'm sure he was picking up some body language cues that this older person in the room thinks that I'm not particularly intelligent. So, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I just, I've just never felt so such a bad parent in that moment. Yeah. Like I just called an infant an idiot. Yeah. Well, I appreciate, well, I don't think you can recover from that. I think if you talk to a priest, like, yeah, I don't have anything you can do to make up for that. Like you just have to live with that one. You know, the biggest, the biggest the, the thing that helped me so much was my doctor said to me right after I had him, he's like, so do you want to throw him out the window yet? And I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Oh, yeah. you know? <laughs> yes, I do. And Isn't I hate that a myself feeling? for it. Oh, it's yeah. a terrible feeling. It's a yes. terrible feeling that, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You kind of get it. Like, um, you know, not, not validating it, but those emotions that people feel, I don't think anybody's like, I'm going to have a baby in a few years and I'm going to intentionally shake it or hurt it, but no. you're just feeling so raw and sleep deprived. <laughs> and sometimes, I mean, it's just those emotions that which some people are just not prepared for them and yeah. there's no fault in that. You know, really, it's just, no. You, you, and of course, of course he said that knowing I would never do that. And of course I would never right, do that. Right. But, like, those thoughts pop in your head. Like, if you weren't here, if you flew out the window for a few hours and gave me a chance to take a little nap and flew back into the window unharmed. Exactly. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. So let me ask you some, just like pepper you with some questions quickly before we go, because um, I get these questions all the time and uh, at any chance I can speak to an expert like you, I want to ask them. So um, how do you go from co-sleeping with your child to independent? independent sleeping i hear it all the time okay i want my kid out of my bed now how do i get my kid out (laughs) so yeah i think this is an interesting question so you know one of the things i always tell parents is i'm not i'm not a proponent of co-sleeping within that first year simply out of safety of the child we've been privy to a couple really tragic accidents one involving a family member of somebody that i work with Mm -hmm. um and it's just awful once the child is able to sort of protect herself and get her head off the thing or, you know, yell, dad, you're on my head, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's a personal choice. And I think there's some really pretty things that kind of go along with that and bind, binding, like you said, having some time together. So if a family says, look, we don't want this, we can support that. If a family says we'd like it, we can support that. Like you said, at some point, there's probably going to be some sort of separation. And, you know, one of the things we talk about with co-sleeping is, that separation will be harder the longer it goes on as your kid gets kind of used to that situation. Mm -hmm. So you're feeling like, okay, well, around six or seven years, that's when we'll make the break. Well, you can do it, but that's going to be tough, you know? So just prepare yourself for that. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, it's really more about sort of educating kids about their room being a place that they can be really happy too. You know, I, I do think that if I were to go to my kids who are what, 17 20 and 22 and said hey mom and dad have reconsidered we're we're totally open to the co-sleeping my guess is they'd be like oh i don't want to be anywhere near your bed like i prefer my situation over getting into bed with you and mom which i do not want to do yeah so i think that wherever you make that split it's really all about trying to get your kids excited about that situation because Mm -hmm. generally speaking 
they're co-sleeping with you for a reason either. And maybe you have those reasons too. Like I, God, what is better than like snuggling with a little kid? I mean, come on. I mean, it's just, you can feel your blood pressure drop and there's just something um, oxytocin exploding in your brain. Like it's just the best thing in the world. Yeah. So of course there's some, you know, benefits going both ways there. So to me, it's just really about, trying to make it such that the child understands that their bedroom can be great too. So is there, are there fun things about their bedroom? Um, and then I think it's just kind of a gradual introduction. I think, okay, well, this weekend we're going to the big girl bed can be tough if that co-sleeping has been established. So it might be a series of several things. We're going to start with some naps or quiet time, rest time in your bedroom while mom, you know, and, and, and we'll build to this kind of situation. And so I think this, a lot of communication about it is very mm-hmm. important. And I think it's also okay for parents to say, I have needs that I need to fulfill for my own sleep. And as you're getting older, that's becoming a little bit more difficult. So for me to be the best parent I can be for you, it's going to require that my partner and I, or myself by myself, have a little bit of time by myself in my own bed so I can get the best sleep that I need and you can get the best sleep that you need too. So mm-hmm. let's start the night out in bed together. We'll read a story. Uh, we'll talk about our day, you know, highs, loads, gratitudes, whatever you like to do. Um, maybe we'll do some quiet meditation, some prayer, and then let's, let's go to our own bedrooms, you know, and you're not going to be missing out on anything because I'm just going to be in here sleeping myself and I'm right here if you need me. Mm. Um, so I think it's just kind of a building. Some parents, you know, they'll sit next to the kid in their bed. And then after a week, they'll move the chair two feet away yeah. and kind of ease themselves out. There's lots of ways you can do it. It can be done, but I think communication and mm. letting people okay. know it's coming and how good it's going to be, mm. um, is very important. Oh, that's great. Thank you for that. That's, that's really great. Now, um, what do you do about frequent wake-ups, right? Frequent Mm wake-ups have to wake you up. Maybe they come into bed with you or they need you to put them back into bed or they have to pee or they, whatever, whatever, whatever it is, but it's constant. And maybe it's even before you go to sleep yourself. So from the time they're supposed to be in bed asleep, it's constant pop-ups. What's that all about? So, there's a couple things. I think one thing just to mention right off the bat is that if there's a, excuse me, if there's a concern that you might have that your child is waking up a lot more than you think is normal, you could look at the schedule. Again, that could be a child that needs 12 hours of sleep, but you've allotted 14 hours for mm-hmm. them. So the awakening is not so much a pathological problem. It's a brain saying, I can't sleep for 14 hours. It's kind of okay. like, how can we get our kids to eat more pizza? Well, once they're full, they're full. Now, maybe one child likes to have four slices. This one has right. two. Just because the two is not eating four slices doesn't mean there's a problem. It's, it's our expectation that she can eat four like the big brother can is, is a little off. But I do think that it's always worth mentioning that if you feel like there's something more going on here, that you're just constantly waking up, what often happens is the parent and the child spend the night together in a hotel doing something or go to see grandma and grandma's got one spare bedroom. So you and your daughter, you and your son spend the night together and you realize, oh man, they're just constantly moving and talking and kicking and breathing funny and making funny little sounds and they're waking up constantly. So, you know, the frequent awakening during the night is a little bit of a red flag for there maybe being a sleep problem that you might want to talk to a sleep specialist Mm -hmm. about. Again, that's one of those things that 
they may be waking up asking for a cup of water and this or that, but there's something a bit more serious going on, even though you don't really notice any problem with the child during the day in terms of their school behavior, learning, their attitude with you, irritability and whatnot. I, I think that in the short term, though, if you think that, no, I think my child's sleeping well, or maybe they had a sleep study, it was good. They just sometimes wake up and come in, realize that we wake up a lot during the night. Most people aren't aware of it, but if you actually were to film an adult or a child sleep, I think you'd be shocked by, oh my gosh, I just woke up and did, I played my pillow like an accordion for a minute and then went back to sleep and I have no right. Kids do crazy things at night. Another sleep doctor mentor of mine said, don't ever encourage your parents to watch their kids sleep at night. <laughs> and what he meant by that was kids do a lot of bizarre things that are probably perfectly normal, but seem very disturbing. You know, they'll really? wake up and reach for things that aren't there for a little bit and then they get back to bed. And you would never know that unless you had the camera in the room, like, what is he doing? He's like reaching. And I remember that watching in a sleep study we did on a kid one time when I was at Chapel Hill, he just stood up and kind of reached for things. And wow. then he just went back to sleep after, you know, 20 minutes of that. And when you asked him about the next day, he had no idea he was doing it. That's so I, I think funny. that, you know, the curtain call or coming in and getting in bed, needing another cup of water, you know, to me, it's really about trying to make that decision, maybe a little bit less tilted towards your bedroom and more towards his. And I write in the book, one of the things that we did with one of our kids was if they came in, this child and I would go clean up some spiders in the garage. I would say, oh, I'm glad you're awake at three o'clock in the morning. I'm glad you woke me up too, because this is the time when I go out and just like free the spiders. There's always like a random spider or two in the garage. And we just got a little brush and put it on the thing and freed them. And I knew this particular kid didn't really like spiders a lot. He wasn't scared of them, but just wasn't that in, into them. Yeah. And so it was never a chore. It was never a, a demand. I was like, do you want to come? Like, I'm going to go do this real quick. So I can either put you back in your bed or we can go do that. He's like, I'll come with you. So we got headlamps for just to make it a little bit different. We yeah. went out the garage. Oh, here's one. We put them on the thing and we freed them outside. I'm like, okay, well, that's great. Well, you know, anytime you want to do this, this is about the time I usually do it in the night. So just come on in our bedroom and we can, we can do it together. It'd be fun. So it was all positive. It was nothing punitive. There was no demand no, or yeah. anger. But over time, he just never came in our bedroom anymore because I think he felt like I'd rather just stay here and like talk to my stuffed animals. Because if I go in there and probably spider cleaning time, I don't want to do that. And I had another parent who said, so cute. when she came back, she said, I didn't do that. But when my daughter would wake up, we would clean a toilet. <laughs> it was so awesome. Like, and it was, again, it was all fun. Like there's a proper way to clean a toilet and I'm going to show you how to do it. And this is a great time to do it. So you know, a lot of times she'd have to go to the bathroom anyway. So she'd go to the bathroom and, okay, so you start at the top, you want to start with the, the, the bowl and you want to clean it really nicely and really get lifted up because your brother, when he pees all over the place, it's going to get, so you want to clean up underneath here. And isn't that so nice? Like, this is a nice, you know, this is a skill you'll have for the rest of your life. Like every boy and girl in the world, you know how to clean a toilet really well, you know, like, so. And so I think she just stopped coming in because I don't want to clean a toilet right now. Just, what a great you know, suggestion. Yeah, I and then one of my friends my said, I think you should just dress up like a clown when you go to bed. I'm like, no, that is not what you should. <laughs> oh, so that's crazy. My kids would always walk in and just stand there. <laughs> so when I woke up, you'd be like, how long have you just been watching me sleep? Like you got the impression that they were just kind of so he was like i'm gonna dress up like a clown one night so when my kid walks in he's gonna go, oh I'm like, no it's not it's not about scaring it's not about punishment it's just oh, about a choice that. like 
hey, we're not doing anything fun. You're not missing out on anything. In yeah. fact, we're probably cleaning a toilet. I mean, literally, that's probably what I'm doing if I'm up at three o'clock in the morning. I'm not, I don't want to do anything very yeah. creative. I might go clean a toilet or throw away some dead batteries and old receipts out of a drawer or something like right, that. Right. That's what you're missing out on by being in your own bedroom. It's much more fun there than here. I love that. I love that you're not catastrophizing it. You're not, you know, punishing it. You're saying, oh, by the way, this is what we're doing right now. And it's weird and sort of and mundane. Reward it. And I think you should reward it the next day. You know, the next, like if, if your kid's gone six days and not come into your bedroom, I think it's worth a conversation. Hey, listen, I feel so good and so rested because you've done mm. such a great job staying in your bedroom. I've got all kinds of energy. Let's go to the park and kick the soccer ball or, or, or go look for butterflies and insects, which you like to do, or go on that hike you like. I think it's okay as a parent to sort of reward that. And some people have sticker systems, which are great. If you get seven stickers, you get some candy or whatever. Uh, but I also think it's good to kind of have it, you know, we talk about natural consequences. Well, that can be a positive too. The natural consequence of you not waking me up seven times every night is that I've gotten so much more work done and I feel so good that I have the capacity now to give more to you and mm. make your life more fun and create more of a bond between the two of us. Because when you were waking up seven times, it was like a Herculean feat just to make it through the day. That's right. So I think yeah. that kind of conversation, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the sticker system and getting some candy, but tying it back to how thankful I am that you're not affecting my sleep. I think you're sleeping better and you seem less irritable and cranky. And I'm just really impressed with you working on making your sleep better all the time. And mm -hmm. here's how it's affecting me truly. I think that's a conversation we can have with little kids that, that they, I love can, it. they can take. Wow. And the communication piece is huge. That's yeah, absolutely. So and, and I think that that's where we, we, we do our best with, you know, people always say, oh, your kids are, you're so lucky you have such good sleeping kids. I don't think that was luck. You know, yeah. that was a lot of conversation, a lot of, hey, dad, I can't sleep. Well, it's okay. Just read a book. You'll be fine. Maybe you can write an essay next week when your teacher asks for a new essay topic, because I know she does that every two weeks. Your essay could be, mm. I had a lot of trouble sleeping one night, and this is how it made me feel. Mm. Maybe you could do that. That's cool. Maybe this is a blessing in disguise. But, you know, so like you said, catastrophizing. I don't remember what the word I used in my book. But I said something like that, like when your kid comes to you with that problem, whether it's a sleep problem or something else, what is that instant feedback they get from you? Yeah. And, and that's important yeah. and something that I have to work on as a parent all the time. You got to yeah. be, oh my God, this is ridiculous. Like you knew all those spelling words, like, you know, kind of, mm -hmm. you know, is that the best response? I think it needs to be something between that and, oh, that's no big deal. Who cares? Well, you should care. Yeah, but not fear it, you know, just, you know, did you do the best you could? Yeah, that was the best I could on the test. Well, then I think that's okay. Like, we'll just deal with the consequences. And, yeah. You, you know, know, it's so interesting because uh, when I look back to my to my own kids, I have my oldest is actually a really, really good sleeper. He's just exhausted by the time his head hits the pillow. He's out right away. And he does talk to himself in his sleep, which is super cute. Uh, but <laughs> my younger son, he was the one that would always pop out of bed. But um, because I will do anything, literally anything for a cuddle, I it was like he would come down and he sort of sneak down and stand by the wall and then we'd be like oh is that Aiden and then it was right and so I'd bring him into my blanket he'd sit on my lap and I'd cuddle him for a little bit and I'd kiss his little head and like give him lots of lovies because I loved it so much 
And then it was like, okay, bud, you got to go back up now. Right. And he actually was somebody that doesn't need as much sleep as his brother does. Um, and then he would wake up in the middle of the night, but he would always come to my side. Cause my husband, like, don't wake him up. He is like as grouchy <laughs> as grouchy gets. He would always be like, ah, worry, blah, blah, blah. So they just learned to come to my side. And so Aiden would just come and I would always open up my blanket and he'd come in and cuddle. And then when I said, okay, baby, you got to go now. Cause I couldn't sleep. Cause Cause I was just like, I was yeah. just all so like full of, like I was like vibrating cause I just loved it so much. Right. And so I couldn't sleep. And so I would say, okay, it's time to go to your room. And he would just go, it was fine. It was no big deal. Whereas some parents are just so angry, so frustrated. It's a control thing. Right. Yes. And, and, you know, and look, there's reasons for that for them. And there's reasons why I did it the way I did it. I loved it. And I wasn't so scared about it because I had already been through stuff and, and learned some things and, and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. And now he doesn't have any issues going to sleep. And that's Fine. always the first question. How do you feel about it? Yeah. If somebody yeah. says, I love the fact that he comes in and wakes me up and we cuddle for a minute, he goes back to bed. I feel mm -hmm. good because I got a little cuddle. I have no trouble going back to sleep. Um, I feel like it's teaching him that I'm, I'm here for him. You know, I'm mm -hmm. always a few steps away, even when he gets older then we, we don't have a sleep problem here. It, it's yeah. like you said, the problem comes when we start to want to control things and teach control, which is where we have to be careful. Now, I do need my kids to be controlled in the sense that they're in their car seats. You know what I mean? Right. Like, so, of course. so there's yeah. always a spectrum of control and, and where you're going to set that line is, is up to each yeah. individual parent. But if somebody says, look, my kid comes into my room, and we do exactly what you just described. You know, it's interesting. Kids don't, I don't know if this is true or not, but my, my theory is kids don't mind upsetting you, but they don't want to hurt you. Mm. Like there's, they almost see those as two different things. I mean, I've said that to my, to kids sometimes when parents just come into our clinic exhausted and mm. why do you wake up mommy? And they, they all shy. They don't really know. I said, does it, does, do you think you might be making mommy sad when you wake her up so many times during the night when you, you know, she can't make you go back to sleep? And I've had kids actually kind of cry. Like I'm not oh. trying to make them feel upset, but it's sort of like the stress, like your husband was describing, like they don't <laughs> register that or mm. they do it in a different way. But if it's about, you're kind of hurting me and making it hard for me to be happy and healthy. Mm. They, they, they can sometimes hear that. Um, hmm. And so again, that communication piece of, I love it when you come in versus I wish you didn't come in quite so much. I think they can hear it if you talk to them in terms of what it's kind of doing for you. I don't think kids want to hurt their parents, oh, so but great. they don't mind creating a stress sometimes. It, they well, don't see that need... as hurting. Yeah. And, and I, just, I, think I just want another glass of water. I want to see you. So everything yeah. that's happening, oh, God, another water. I'm thirst. Can you have them? They don't see that versus you're really making it hard for me to be a good father to you. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah, that yeah. might be a better conversation. I don't know. Yeah. And it's like their need to get their need met and their need for connection is greater than their fear of dad yes. saying something. Right, right, right. They don't. Yeah, that's exactly right. But I don't know that it's. I don't know that it's as it's it's stronger than making their mom sad. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, 
why are you so sad, mom? Because you keep waking me up and it's really making my life very hard. Like, I think that would resonate with them versus the anger about the second cup of water. But I don't know if we often have that conversation with our kids. It's just kind of stress or it's sleep with me so I can just get some sleep myself which is fine. And maybe the next day you're like, I let you sleep with me, but I want to, I want to talk to you about what that's doing to me and what it might mm. be doing to you mm. in as much as that three, four, five, six-year-old can have that conversation. But I think right. it's important to always be communicating the positives and the negatives without value or anger, you know, mm-hmm. it's oh, easier said than done totally. sometimes. Maybe that's a better conversation for the morning than at night at three yeah. o'clock when we've gotten in bed with you. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, uh, and, you know, one of the things that I talk about all the time is create, you know, with the parents that I work with is creating a relationship that's based in mutual trust and respect, but also in communication and understanding. Right. And so I think what, what you're saying is totally aligned with that. And, and I love it now. I know we have been talking for a while and I hope you have a couple more minutes here because I just need to, I just need to talk about teens for a second, because we're always talking about these little, these little guys, which is great. And that's where a lot of problems are, but when our kids become teens, things are different. And so, you know, do teens need more sleep in the morning and can stay up later at night? Like, is there a shift? Like, what is that all about? Please tell us. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, I, I'm glad you mentioned teens because they're kind of the forgotten situation. Yeah. There's so much focus on babies and their sleep. And it's kind of like, I don't know, there's this kind of subliminal message that I always felt as a parent that if you have teens who have sleep problems, like you d- did something wrong because hmm. once you get your kids sleeping through the night, it's all, you know, flowers and roses from there at that point. And I, I think teens, especially today, especially in this sort of post pandemic world, have a tremendous amount of obstacles between them and getting healthy sleep. And because they're young and have that kind of youthful capacity, they can absorb a lot of bad things. It's like, I remember seeing some report about skinny kids who were actually very obese or something like that. I'm probably butchering the, it was kind of like to look at them, they're like, oh, he's fine. He's, He's thin even. But when you like did an MRI, like their hearts and lungs were just covered in fat and all this negatives from bad eating. So just because- they don't look like they're having problems doesn't necessarily mean they are. And, and so to me, you know, yes, teens in general tend to like to stay up late and get up late, um, which is puts them at direct odds with a lot of schools. And in my book, I said the two biggest threats to kids and sleep are school and technology. Yeah. I love school. I mean, our, our kids are in yeah. school. My wife's a school teacher. Both my parents are school teachers. I love teachers. I think it's the most heroic job in the world. Mm. Um, but I do think I that- we've structured things where it makes it difficult for kids to get the sleep that they need in terms of not only the amount, but like you said, the timing of it. Um, You know, I always think about that in like a high school graduation when the young woman stands up and gives the valedictorian speech. I think, is she the smartest kid in the school or is she the one whose sleep was most aligned to that schedule? So if you've got a little, little girl in your house, who's a night owl, just like her father, you know, is calculus first period, the best thing for her life, you know, kind of, and and, and when she, well, this is when calculus is offered at our school, there's no option. And she gets a, you know, a B in it, big deal. Was that the best she could do? Or could she have gotten an A if she had taken it later? And again, not to be too hyper-focused on grades, it's just such a grind when I look at high school now versus when I was in school. And 
I think I said in the book, I believe personally that every child should be able to go to school in -hmm. some way, play a sport if they want to and do something else. So Mm -hmm. if your kid loves soccer and loves to play the French horn, I think that he should be able to do both those things and go to school and your daughter should be able to volunteer at the soup kitchen and dance. And I, and I, and anything else beyond that, you can do more, but now it's becoming more of a privilege than a right. Like, okay, mm-hmm. if you can get all your work done and keep your room and do all your chores around the house and be a good mm-hmm. kid, then you can do a, a second thing or a third thing or a fourth thing, whatever. But it's, it's to me, like just looking at those basic things, how difficult it is for some people to do it just because everything seems to make when I played baseball, it was like show up and play baseball and go home. And now it's like conditioning and training and travel. And it's just, I think those things are very difficult for, for parents and teens to navigate. And I think what happens is your 24 hours gets more and more filled with these things and they're beautiful things. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, fun things and exciting and, and important things, but sleep tends to be the thing that kind of gets, squeezed out of the equation and I think we always as parents have to kind of fight to make sure that that's not the case because lots of our kids are good at operating on insufficient sleep so even if your kid is making straight A's or is the volunteer of the year at the soup kitchen or has her own little project where she sells something and gives all the money to charity Mm -hmm. I think the parents have to kind of redefine what it means to be successful and mm-hmm. watch out for the kids who just, hey, mom, as long as I get my four hours, I'm fine. And you're like, I know you are based upon these sort of external measurements of what it means to be fine. You've got great grades, lots of friends. Mm-hmm. You seem to be mentally well-adjusted, but I worry about what you're going to look like in five or 10 years if you don't start to create more of a space for sleep in your life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I remember looking around medical school classes and thinking, I'm not sure we were the smartest people, but we were the best at not getting enough sleep and still being able to put an IV in somebody's neck and not hurt them. Like, (laughs) oh my gosh, you know what I mean? Like, and that, but it's still the leading cause of death in a hospital is medical error. So I think we think we do a lot better than we actually do. I remember one time putting orders in for a patient. I was so sleep deprived. And this woman called me and she said, who is this? I said, this is Chris Winter. And she said, well, this is Gladys in the cafeteria. Why are you putting all the medical orders to the cafeteria portal? And I kind of sort of woke up and looked what I was doing on the computer. And sure enough, I was in the cafeteria. Oh, and so yeah. like when I was supposed to be ordering what the food was for the patient, low sodium diet, watch out for this. I was putting in medication. I didn't know what I was doing. I said, oh, no. I'm so sorry. I said, please don't tell anybody. <laughs> Gladys, can you keep a secret? <laughs> God, I mean, it's really oh, just, so. So you know, I think that for the adults that I talk to, a lot of times there's a conversation that is just because you can does that mean you should? Right. I right. know you can go to bed at midnight, get before and exercise and run triathlons, and you run a Fortune 500 business, and you've got a beautiful partner and lovely kids, and I don't know how sustainable that is. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think that parents, again, if we teach our kids that value of family or spirituality or civic engagement or exercise or good nutrition and sleep from an early age, I think we prevent a lot of that later on. Like you just learned that 
11 o'clock, I go to bed. I struggle with that. My wife and I just had a little bit of an argument this morning. Like you stayed up, like he'll fall asleep on the couch. I'm like, Ooh, I get to like answer more emails and do more work. And like, this is great. And yeah, you know, lie about the time. Oh, it's only 10 o'clock. Let's go to bed. Don't look at the clock. Don't look at the clock. You don't want to look at the clock. It's not good for your sleep. Like, so, you know, I should have just said, okay, it's 1130. I'm going to bed for my health. Right. It's tough sometimes life's fun. Yeah. Podcasts yeah. are fun. Setting up podcasts with you are fun. Oh, it is fun. Well, this has been fantastic. Thank you for all of your knowledge. And look, the book is The Rested Child, Why Your Tired, Wired, or Irritable Child May Have a Sleep Disorder and How to Help. Where can people find your book, your books, um, and more about you? Yeah, books, plural. That's like the joke in my family. I'm an author of plural books now. (laughs) Um, you can find them on Amazon. They're on Kindle. If you have that or audible, if you really like the sound of my voice today, I can, oh, I read, it. You, I can read the book to you over a period of 14 hours. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so the, it's everywhere you find books, you can find those. And I really appreciate, uh, your, your listeners supporting that and, and, and giving feedback. I, I, I read every review wow. that's posted and I always try to take away something even from the terrible ones you know this guy should right. not be allowed anywhere near a word processor kind of thing it's okay um, <laughs> I'm sure there is not one that's, that's right, that. that's right. Um, <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram I'm dr Chris winner so it's dr Chris winner d-r-c-h-r-i-s-w-n-t-e-r on Twitter and Instagram and I try to use those platforms to post interesting articles or thoughts about yeah. sleep I've got a, um, a web page it's um, wchriswinter.com um, and, um, I send out a newsletter every now and then about oh. something interesting. I've got a blog on psychology today that I just started where I'm going to write little articles okay. about sleep. And the one I just wrote was about school start times and how mm. some of the information coming out of the pandemic has really kind of helped us understand that when you give kids more opportunities to sleep, they take them. So the argument always about school start time is if you start late, they'll just sleep late. And that's not really true that, that I think kids will actually, gravitate towards sleeping more. So yeah. you know, if your family is, is, is going to school in a school district where they have to get up really early, you know, there may be some things you could do to kind of fight that. So anyway, yeah. or you just homeschool or create alternative situations, but sleep stuff for our kids and it's getting tougher all the time. So parents kind of have to be that little bit of an interference to make sure they get what they need, I think. Yeah. Well, I have got all of your information in the show notes, uh, including your TikTok, uh, which is TikTok oh Sleep Doc, which how could well, I love I've that anymore? <laughs> so, a couple of things. So that's been changed to DR Chris too, because my daughter was like, you're all over the place with these things. I'm like, oh, I like TikTok Sleep Doc. She's like, no, gotta be DR Chris winner all the way. So, so if you look up, I don't know what happens okay. if you look up TikTok Sleep Doc, but um, it might be Dr. Chris Winter, and I will just apologize because there is a video that my kids maybe put on there. That's like my of all the things I've ever posted on social media. It's by far and away the most popular because where I live, the power goes out all the time, and it drives me crazy because we're right next to like the University of Virginia. There's no reason for it to go out. So I was making a video for this wonderful blue blocking glasses company just because I like oh, what they do. Yeah. I'm not paid by them, and the power went out. And I kind of, I kind of lost it. It was kind of like the calling your kid an idiot. I'm like, oh my God. So then she's like, oh, you've got to post this video. It's so funny. And so they did. And of course, that's the most popular thing I've ever posted on social media ever. That has nothing to do with sleep. Just (laughs) a a tired, irritable doctor who did not need the power to go out as he was trying to film something for a company that he believes in. Oh my gosh. Well, I love you. Viewers can take a look at that and forgive me ahead of time for the 
the saucy language. I, I don't usually speak like that, but when the power goes out, it, it, it sometimes happens. So enjoy. Yeah. yeah, enjoy. Oh, well, now I got to go look for it. All right. That, that's Thank right. Thank you so much, Dr. Chris Winter. You're you welcome. are so fun to talk to, as well as so incredibly knowledgeable. Thank you so much for Thank spending you. Time I really appreciate your platform and, and look forward to hearing from you soon. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and connection.